Welcome back to Wealthy, Worthy, and Wild. I'm your host, Amy Tollefschrud from Rebel Nutrition. Today's episode is amazing. We have Lindsay Lekraj. She is an epigenetics coach who combines holistic nutrition and subconscious mindset work to create long-lasting transformation, keeping it fast and fun. She is an expert on all things epigenetics, methylation, detox, NLP, EFT, and if you don't know what any of those things are, it's totally fine. Just keep listening. I also wanted to apologize because I realized halfway through this interview that my microphone was not plugged in, so If the sound is not up to par, I apologize, but we will get it fixed for next time. But anyways, this is such an epic conversation with Lindsay, you guys. We talk about everything from why certain diets don't work for certain people. We talk about detoxification, her journey, losing over 150 pounds, how certain emotions and holding onto them can actually manifest as physical symptoms in the body. We talk about the different vibrations of different foods, and even Lindsay's experience getting her breast implants removed and the types of symptoms that she was having because of them. Now, one last thing before I get into this interview with Lindsay, if you guys have not left a rating and review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening, please take a second to do that once you're done listening. It helps support the show. It's a great way to help me reach more people for free. And thank you guys so much for listening. I know that you're gonna love this episode. And if you're listening and you want to screenshot and share it with your followers, that is also an amazing thing to do on Instagram. You can tag me at Rebel Nutrition and Lindsay at Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, L-E-K-H-R-A-J. And now let's get into this epic conversation. So you just moved to Louisiana? Is that right? Louisiana, Okay. yeah. From LA. A big change. What what made you decide to move? I feel like a lot of people are leaving LA right now, so I'm very interested oh as somebody who just moved here, what people's you know reasoning is. <laughs> it's such a funny thing, Amy. I'll tell you, I really didn't see myself ever leaving LA, um, but I actually grew up in Louisiana, and so this is kind of a, a homecoming for me, but my husband is born and raised in LA, and I truly thought we would never leave. And I do, I love LA probably more than anywhere else except New Orleans. (laughs) So, and the two places, they have a lot in common, but they definitely have a lot of differences. And, you know, it's one of those things where this year has been such a topsy-turvy thing to where, of course, it's changed our perspective on literally everything. And it really just felt like a good time for us to try something different because really, since my work is exclusively online now, it was actually pretty close before, but I was definitely doing some events and teaching some local classes and things. But now that I'm strictly online, it seemed like a really good time to, to switch it up. And my husband, actually being born and raised in LA, every time we visited New Orleans, he's been obsessed. And so so literally from the first time he ever stepped foot in the city, he's like, why would you ever leave here? It's magical. And when can we come back? And so it's kind of an adventurous thing and, and it feels really right. So we're excited to be here. I love that. Well, I'm really excited for you, even though I am sad that I couldn't interview you in person. I know. Well, and you know, the good thing is it feels like we are almost like bi-coastal now because his family is all still there. He's actually still working remote. Well, he's working remotely, but he runs a shop in Hollywood. So I know we'll be back to visit a ton. So that was definitely like part of the deciding factor was that we're not gone for good, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, that's good. Well, I'm excited for you. And I'm really excited for this conversation today. Because as soon as I started, well, I've been following you now for a while, but I've just recently, I think, and I'm going to get into this probably at the end of um, the episode. But I once you started talking about and I'm, I'm curious on your end, if your like engagement went up when you started talking about this, but when you started talking about your explant, your breast implant removal. It was like really, obviously I don't have breast implants, but it was just really interesting to me. And I know that like a lot of people are going through that right now. And, and it just really got me interested into everything else that you're doing with epigenetics. And I kind of went down this rabbit hole on like everything that you teach. So I have so many good questions to ask you today. So first, what epigenetics are? 
Yeah, it's super nerdy. There's definitely a lot to rabbit hole. Uh, so there's definitely a lot to kind of dissect there. But basically, epigenetics is this huge field of study that proves that you can impact the performance of your body really down to a cellular level by your lifestyle choices. So by the foods that you eat, by eating properly for your genetics, by exercising for your genetics, by actually kind of biohacking your entire wellness plan to something that's really tailored for you. When you have the information that kind of gives you what your body is trying to do on its own and you can support that in a holistic way it literally changes everything so your cellular performance can ab absolutely change and what we call your genetic expression can change so i get a lot of questions about that or a lot of confusion i should say around that around like can your genes change and and really what does that look like because like so many things in the world of wellness there's a lot of kind of um, discussion, especially in the information age that we're in, and, and gotta love Instagram, but there's a lot of information that can be kind of consuming or uh, confusing to the consumer level. And so really your genes don't actually change, but the expression of your genes can change. So in other words, the performance of them. So you may have genes that are dormant for some things, whether they be lesser desirable or more desirable and you can absolutely tweak the way that those genes actually show up in many cases some of them more than others <laughs> so it's a really complex system but essentially what that means amy is that whatever genes that you have whatever kind of cards you've been dealt in this world they're not permanent you're not stuck in any one particular place and I will tell you, well, I'm sure that we'll get into more about my, my history and my story, but that was the most powerful, really empowering thing that I had really ever been exposed to. And I love, love, love working with this concept and helping people to understand how to really kind of dump the excuses and really have so much control over whatever their body is doing and what they want to achieve. So basically every person kind of has this genetic blueprint, but you are in control basically is what you're saying of how those genes express and you can, it kind of is empowering because it, you can take your health sort of back into your own hands essentially. Absolutely. There's so much you can do that honestly, we are just really beginning to understand how much power you can have over your body's performance. And I'm not talking even pharmaceuticals. I'm talking really holistic things like getting the right amount of nutrients of certain things and understanding how to really increase your detox pathways and some a little bit more advanced things than what I personally was, was doing up until I really discovered all of this. And it is incredible. So when you kind of know what it is that your body struggles with or where you may need some support down to again kind of that more cellular level then it's so easy it actually like streamlines a lot of things and I mean I know that you know especially those of us us LA gals um, but definitely us wellness obsessed it's like you can feel like you're doing all the things and that was my story for a long time was that i was spending so much money on supplements that who knows what i mean i i would like die if anyone really even knew the degree of which i was obsessed with supplements and eating all the right things and and all of the things that we do because we're told that the, they work, right? We, we listen to other people who are experts sometimes in their fields, and there's a lot of convincing things that, oh, if I take this, it's gonna make me feel a certain way, or if I do that, it's gonna work for me, and it's gonna optimize my, my brain, or my sleep, or my weight, or whatever the thing is. And a lot of it's true, and a lot of it's not. A lot of it is very situational. And the thing that it comes down to is all in the genetics. So for example, I always like to use the, the keto diet as an example because it's so trending right now. And that's kind of one of those things where the keto diet is essentially a biohack, right? And it's one thing that works really, really well for some people, but for other people, it can make them like deathly sick, it can be the worst idea ever. And so that's literally just one example of so many different things that work really well for certain genotypes, for example, um, and can actually be super detrimental to other people. So you just never know. So the thing about the epigenetics is that it takes so much of the guesswork out of it. So it really saves you a lot of time and money and heartache uh, on like the trial and error. And it shows you very clearly this is what your body does really well. 
And these are some things that maybe would not be a good idea for you or things that would maybe kind of have an adverse effect on that genetic expression. Does that make sense? That totally makes sense. And it's just so interesting because as I was watching your training that you have on your website that everybody should go check out because you talk a lot about this, how you talk about like, that was going to be exactly my question about keto is that you'll see, let's say your favorite influencer who's doing this new trendy diet and they now have a six pack and they have all this energy and they're thriving. And then you try it and you do it perfectly and you do it to a T and you're gaining weight and you feel really lethargic. And I think that's a perfect example of like, one size does not fit all, especially when it comes to what you're eating. Um, and I, I thought that was just so, so fascinating. So if you feel like you're beating yourself up and you're trying to do it perfectly because somebody, it worked for somebody else, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work for you. So when you get epigenetic testing, or I don't know if, it, if that's what it's called. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> can, can that specifically even tell you a breakdown of like, you should be eating this percentage of carbs. You should be eating really. That's yes. It is so insane, Amy. Like literally you get like this entire encyclopedia about your body. And so really even just kind of under the nutrition umbrella, we can look at certain food sensitivities. If you have trouble digesting grains or dairy or things like that, that are a little bit overarching, but we definitely get kind of your ideal macro ratios. And so you can easily see, are you someone who's going to feel great on a high fat diet, you know, to use that example, or are you someone who actually needs a little bit more carbs? Did you know one of my favorite things to actually share with people are certain people who have this on their report? Did you know that a lot of people actually will stop burning abdominal fat if they're not getting enough complex carbs? That so is so like, it, it's, it's like myth busting, like never before. And it just breaks it down to like such a precise degree over what's going to work for you. What's not going to work for you. And the same thing with protein. So a lot of the kind of like, um, textbook things that were taught about nutrition somewhat don't apply to everyone. So for me, for example, my body actually does better on a low protein diet. And there's so much evidence that shows that certain genotypes, if your body is looking for a low protein diet, and you're eating like say a, a no carb situation or something like that, where you're inevitably eating a higher protein and fat content, that can actually cause your body to store more body fat. Even if you're like killing yourself with the no carb thing, I've been there, done that and had no idea, like did, blamed myself when it didn't work. Uh, so this one test, you literally swab your mouth and you get so much information, even breaking down to like the types of fats that your body works well with, and as I'm sure you know, it's a, a really hot topic to talk about the types of fats and which ones are toxic. And oh my gosh, there's a, a lot of heated debates out there. And the thing is, what's true for one person is not always true for the next person. So some people do great with saturated fats. Some people do great with polyunsaturated fats, you know, and it's really one of those things where you have no idea. You really don't have any idea until you see it kind of on paper. And then it's pretty much like, Oh, I get it. <laughs> well, and so, I, I bet it's sort of like a hindsight 2020 thing too, because it, I kind of look back to my history of like trying different diets. And there was a time when I was like really paleo and low carb and eating a ton of protein and fat. And not only did I feel like I, I mean, I was never overweight or anything, but I felt like I just was a lot more sluggish and held on to body fat more. But I also feel like I look back at pictures and I feel like my face is really puffy and I have no idea if that is from that, but I know at that time I was trying to like eat a ton of protein and fat and it just didn't feel good and it, I didn't look good either. Totally. Yeah, exactly. And so that's, you know, we can really see kind of like a, a big picture view of what sort of, what style of diet, not that it's like about putting a label on each person, but really kind of to, to gear someone in the right direction of, okay, this is the diet that your body is going to feel really great on. And then this one's going to be one that's going to have more adverse effects. So it makes it super simple. And that's really, that's just one category. So I actually read six panels total. So the detox pathway is another kind of big picture component to this and bringing it back to the explant situation. It's the one thing that's been really keeping the wheels on the bus for me is learning about how my detox pathways work. And that's something that basically, you know, for someone who maybe isn't feeling great, if you're struggling in your health and 
um, you've tried all the things and that was me for a, a good portion of my 30, my early 30s. I didn't know what was going on with my body and I knew that I was making a lot of progress when I was dialing in my nutrition and that's actually kind of what led me into the whole field of nutrition was that I started understanding that your body can do so much. You can heal so much just with the power of food, eating the right foods. Um, but the detox pathways is really kind of the other half of that picture, I would say, to where, you know, I definitely at some points was at a stage where I was controlling, like over controlling everything in my diet overboard to where I wasn't really getting as great a results as I wanted. And it's because my detox pathways were needing a little bit of different support beyond just the nutritional piece. So there's kind of this input output that everybody has. Some people need to be a little more cautious on the input. If you're having like say food sensitivities or special needs, as I like to say on the input, other people, it's not so much what they eat. That's going to really kind of move the needle for them. It's more so maybe they have a detox pathway that's really struggling to like even process regular foods if that makes sense so the explant situation for me I was feeling terrible 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 um, and it turns out in hindsight I just learned over the summer when I did my explant that my body had basically been fighting a bacterial infection for the past six years which is crazy. Um, so I also know through epigenetics that I have a pretty, pretty impacted slow methylation pathway. So that's something we can, we can drop a pin and circle back there. Cause that's a big thing for a lot of people. Um, but basically I knew that my methylation wasn't functioning super well. And so by, by being able to support my body in that and really focus on the right detox things for my body, it was able to really help me to kind of clear out and feel as good as possible until I could actually, you know, have my, my surgery date on the calendar and kind of recover from that. So the detox is a big deal, especially with um, clients who have any sort of hormonal imbalances or even autoimmune situations. It's really, really helpful to be able to go in and see if they're really struggling from something like methylation, uh, which really you can't know. You, you would only be able to know that if you have had some sort of genetics testing. Uh, and the other thing that I see there is that a lot of doctor's offices will test for the MTHFR genes, um, aptly named <laughs> because they are, they are righteous. Um, but a lot of people will test for just those two genes or abnormalities on those two genes. But there's really, there's about a dozen genes that are involved in the whole methylation process. So there's always a lot more to this story you know, and so that's the thing that this testing has been really um, brilliant for me personally, but also for a lot of people who just are kind of scratching their heads looking for solutions to, I don't know, man, a lot of different things. It's, it's really incredible. It's just such a dense amount of information about your body that you can really kind of just dive deep and see what's going to be the thing for you. That's so interesting. I'm, I would definitely want to circle back to methylation in a second, but what kind of symptoms were you experiencing before you got your explant? Because you said, so you were dealing with it for like six years. At what point were you like, I think this might be my breast implants? Yeah. Well, I would say the point where I had ruled out everything else. So I did a lot of work on my gut um, and I was having a lot of, um, I would say like more intense symptoms when my gut was not as it should be. And the thing about implants is it affects everybody really differently. Again, because of the genetics, for me, it was really like the detox pathways were, were raging or the detox symptoms rather were raging. So I was having really pronounced food sensitivities. I was having migraines. Uh, the brain fog was off the charts, like to the degree where I was getting really a lot of social anxiety because for years, uh, actually before I really started going full time in this work, I did sales, I did corporate sales. And so it was my job to like present to groups of people. And I was talking to people all day, every day, teaching and stuff like that. And which I love to do, but there were days where I couldn't even, I felt like I didn't know my name. Like the brain fog was crazy. So that had a really big impact on me, even emotionally, because I just, I didn't know what was going on. I felt like I had a lobotomy or something. <laughs> like it was so frustrating. And that's where really, that was kind of the height of uh, my food sensitivities to where I was having a lot of food anxiety as well, because it seemed like everything I was eating was making it worse. 
for certain times. Um, you know, the other things were, there were a few years where I was doing a lot of corporate travel. And so my body was starting to get some really intense autoimmune type symptoms to where uh, pretty much every time I was flying out somewhere, my body would just kind of shut down. And I was flying like three weeks out of the month in some cases. So it was brutal. Uh, I was having really irregular cycles, um, really you name it. You know, I was even having like some hives and stuff like that. So my skin was freaking out. It was intense and it was really just, uh, it was really disheartening not to be dramatic or tell you guys like a sad story, but it was super frustrating because no one could help me figure out what it was. And I was going to doctors and like some of the best doctors in LA were just telling me like, oh, well, it's probably just stress. <laughs> I'm like, oh my yeah, God. my body's freaking out and I know that I'm not feeling I feel like it's the story of so many of us who become nutritionists or health coaches or whatever. It's like you have, you're on this journey is like, of like, you know that something's wrong and every doctor you go to is like, oh, it's stress or, oh, it's, you're fine. And it's like, no, I'm not. So then you really have to be your own advocate, which it sucks in the moment, but I guess ultimately like it makes you an expert on even more of an expert on like teaching detoxification and all of the things that you do. Totally, totally. And that's where really I started learning a lot more about working with things like the breathwork piece and like a lot of the yogic stuff were things that truly saved my life during those years when I was traveling a lot and um, having so many food sensitivities and just, you know, going through this body freak out situation because I, I could only control my food so much, you know, like there's only so much you can do on the input. And so I was doing like the cold showers, the breath work, all the things to support my lymphatic system, like every single day, which a lot of these things I still do every day because they do make you feel incredible. They're super high impact without having to take another pill or supplement or whatever the thing is. So yeah, definitely um, the journey has been a windy, <laughs> a windy one, but it's definitely kind of put a lot of tools in my toolkit that I now love teaching you know, and definitely taught me that you have to be your own biggest advocate. You have to really be the one to start like questioning on a deeper level. Um, if it hadn't really been for all of these things and really ruling out so many different things and, and also doing a lot of different um, tests, like lab tests and things like that, that didn't really give me a lot of results. Um, it was almost like there were a couple of years that went by where I was checking things off the list and until there was nothing else to check off besides the implants. I really first started understanding that like these can be toxic for certain people. I immediately knew I was like, Oh, that's, that's what it is. It has to be. I was going to say, I think that's why it's so, it's so nice. That's such a great thing about social media now is that like, people are sharing about this kind of stuff because I feel like even a couple of years ago, like I had never even heard of that being a problem for anybody. And so now I guess it gives people one more thing that it could be. Um, but I also want to go back to kind of your story because you lost over 150 pounds. I did. So what yeah. was kind of the catalyst for that? Like, was it, you were feeling terrible or like what, what got you into like this health journey in the first place? Yeah. So that's a great question. Basically, before I ever went through any sort of like chronic illness, I had a history of obesity. And it's something, Amy, where the only thing, this sounds a little, we're going to go a little woo for a moment. And I, I know that um, your people are my people and we're all kind of... <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I, I know we're not falling on deaf ears here, but basically, I will tell you the truth. Um, it was all fine and good until one day I really had this kind of awakening moment and I was in my late twenties. And, um, up until that point, I really had kind of accepted this story about myself that that was just who I was. And that was who I was going to be. That was who a lot of people in my like extended family were. Like I really thought ironically, speaking of genetics, I just thought that that's how I was made and that I, that's how I was born and that's how I would die. And I had this major awakening one day that really kind of woke me up to where I understood that I, that was an excuse or that was a story, you know, and um, 
it was this really spiritual experience that just kind of shook me up a little bit. And it honestly, it, nothing was the same after that one day. <laughs> and truly, like, I had tried a lot of things. I had a long history of dieting, like unsuccessful dieting before that. Like even from the time I was in high school, uh, it was always just a part of my life. But really, I got to a point where I kind of given up trying anything and, and accepted this fate of like, you're just going to live your life in this obese body. And of course, I didn't feel good. Of course, you know, I had symptoms and things like that, but I really just felt that I didn't have any control over it. But I had this awakening moment one day. I was literally waking up from a nap, and I swear to you, I, if you ask me, I'll tell you, I feel like I heard the voice of God. And I had this moment where it was like this voice was like, what are you doing? And not so many words, like, what are you doing with your life? You don't have to be like this. This is not, you know, who you are. It doesn't have to be who you are. And so I made this commitment to myself that day that I was going to give it one more try, that I was going to change the way that I was living, change the way that I was feeding myself, and that I would give it my best. Literally kind of like a dire straits, one last shot. I was like, well, okay, I, I don't know. It was kind of a, a shaking up kind of thing. So I'm like, well okay, I'll, I'll do my best, but I don't know that this is going to work for me, but it did. And I actually, I went through a phase of like about a year to where I was eating a really, uh, I wouldn't say like micromanaged, but like a really intensely focused diet. And the weight just started to pour off like never before. And the motivation was like never before, or maybe the determination, both. Like it, I knew in that moment that I had decided that I was about to change my life and I did and it wasn't easy, but it was easier than it had been before because I just knew that it was the right thing. Taking a brief break from this episode to talk about my online program for health and wellness entrepreneurs, Digital Nomad Nutritionist. So a few years ago when I became an FNTP, I had absolutely no idea how to start my business. I needed a website, I had zero social media following, no email list, and nothing to sell. And I was desperate, you guys, <laughs> not only to make a full-time income from my passion, but to do it in a way that also allowed me the freedom to travel and to take time off as needed. Within a little less than a year, I grew my audience from zero to nearly 50,000 people without the use of any paid ads. And I created a full-time income that allowed both myself and my husband to quit our jobs and start traveling the world. So even though world travel is obviously not a thing at the moment, <laughs> what I did was I turned my exact step-by-step -step protocol into a 100% self-paced online program called Digital Nomad Nutritionist. And don't don't worry you guys, it's totally okay if you're not a certified nutritionist or FNTP yet, or if you never even plan to become one. As long as you are someone who wants to build a business online, sharing your passions with as many people as possible, this course is for you. So to learn more about Digital Nomad Nutritionist and if it's right for you, and even get a special limited time savings of $200 off, head over to rebelnutrition.com slash digital nomad. Again, that is bellnutrition.com slash digital nomad. And I will see you guys inside the course. Now let's get back to the episode. That's where it really started to kind of blow the lid off of everything that I thought I knew about myself. Um, I started getting really into a lot of like mindset work and personal development and stuff like that. And really started to understand the power of the mind and um, the way that the mind works, the way that the subconscious mind works about like accepting things and, and programming and conditioning that we're, we're taught as children and learning how to change your habits really easily and, and not having to feel like it's a willpower kind of thing, but like really how to work smarter and not harder when it comes to initiating change. And yeah, it's kind of crazy, honestly, to think about it because it feels like a different person, like who I was before. It feels so far removed from who I am now that it's, it's really kind of trippy to think back to before that moment happened. Uh, but yeah, it actually happened surprisingly fast. I mean, you don't lose 150 pounds naturally overnight. So it was definitely a journey, but 
over the course of, I would say, about two years, uh, really intensively for the first year. And then the second year after that, I was really starting to learn how to kind of live in a more, a more normal-ish body and really understand what that meant. And what it meant for me was I could actually exercise comfortably or more comfortably for the first time in my adult life you know, and really starting to kind of unpack the emotional part about it, um, which led me into going into like a yoga teacher training. I did a NLP certification and, and really started gathering a lot of these tools that helped to expedite me. Like, honestly, most of my journey was done kind of through or before I really had all these tools, but um, it, it led me definitely down this, this path of understanding myself and understanding how to embrace what is, but also feel okay with making change. Because that's the biggest thing I will tell you. I don't feel like you have to pick one or the other. Uh, there's a lot of people who will shame you for like wanting to lose weight. And I think that that's really sad you know, and I know that's a whole conversation in and of itself, but even like sharing parts of my journey, I've had people who were really very triggered and, and did not respond very kindly to me sharing my weight loss story. Um, and, and so I think there's a very fine line there about self-acceptance, but also understanding that feeding yourself well and taking good care of yourself is the ultimate self-love, you know, 100%. I think it's just a matter of learning how to do so. And that's where, you know, the, the beautiful part about the epigenetics is now I can really streamline it and simplify it for people of really any walk of life. And so that's, that's kind of my full circle moment. <laughs> so how did you kind of stay motivated? It seems like there was some kind of like subconscious reprogramming that must have happened in that time from going from who you were then to just making that switch. I know that like EFT can be really helpful with that, which is tapping, I've talked about a few times, but did you have any like tools that you use to keep yourself motivated? Cause I know, especially, I mean, whether, it, whether it's you're trying to achieve something in business or you're trying to lose weight or whatever, it's not just about willpower, right? It's about like changing your beliefs about who you actually are and what you can achieve. So like what kind of tools did you have that helped you with that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many. This is like one of my favorite things. And a lot of these things I still use literally every day uh, because we're always evolving, right? Uh, so a big one for me is meditation. And I do several different types of meditation. And in fact, uh, I now I started teaching kind of this hybrid situation, Amy, because <laughs> I've studied so many different modalities that if I really spent a minute on each one, I would be there all day. So I kind of started just kind of doing my own thing and mashing up a little bit of breath work, a little bit of prayer, a little bit of EFT into kind of like this, this amazing little muddle, if you will. Um, so that's kind of my practice. But yeah, all of these tools, literally all of the above were things that helped me along the way. But you absolutely nailed it. Really, the number one thing is you have to understand that whatever you think is possible for you is a result of what you've been told is possible for you. And so for me, like specifically around the weight loss, I literally did not believe it was possible for me to, you know, be in a different body until I kind of had that awakening moment until I really woke up and decided to get an agreement with that. I had to decide like, okay, maybe it is possible, even though I've spent a long time believing that it wasn't possible and believing that everything that I would, every effort that I would make would be failed. I really had to get an agreement with the possibility that I would be able to be successful with that. And it wasn't like a one-time thing. That was like an everyday thing. And truly, I mean, that's, that's really kind of what I practice now is that the, the place where I'm going now, even actually like through this whole move, you know, moving across the country and like kind of in a, a quick amount of time, I really had to connect with the idea and kind of like the vision of it all working out smoothly and being in alignment and really kind of like that big picture of where I'm going in my business, my relationship, all the things and truly just see it and feel it every single day. And I think when you can start to see it and feel it, like really, really feel it, it makes it easier. It actually does start to change the programming in your brain. You'll actually start to make decisions 
from the place of your future self. And the same thing with food. Basically, every day, I would have this moment of like coming to coming together with my future self and understanding that feeling it in my bones and understanding that this is possible. I can do this even when it's hard, even when I don't want to, it was possible even when it wasn't easy. And it makes it so much like different when you're trying to make decisions because you can actually kind of get a better understanding of it. And your brain actually will start to feel more comfortable with whatever that future version is. So whether that thing that you're trying to do has something to do with like your physical body, like for me, like the weight loss was kind of the start of it, or like building my business or moving or whatever the thing is, your brain kind of has to get used to the idea that it's possible. And once you get your brain on board, it is game on. <laughs> like that's, that's the biggest thing that I learned through the weight loss journey was that once you truly flip the switch on the fact that, yes, I'm going to go in this direction and I'm going to not stop until I get there, your brain makes it very easy. And that, that was my experience that, yes, I mean, there were days that were difficult. I mean, I did like a 180 on everything that I knew about nutrition. Um, so that's, it's never easy, but relatively speaking, it, in hindsight, it feels like it was a no brainer, you know? I think that's, I don't know if you practice visualization at all either, but I feel like that is what is, has been probably the most powerful for me because in that time of visualizing like your future self or next level self or whatever you want to call it, you can actually tap into that feeling a lot easier, I think of, and, and then make decisions from that place. So I love, I love that you shared that. And Something else, so I kind of want to switch gears a little bit because yeah. something that I am really interested in that you've talked about is different foods having or holding different frequencies and how eating different foods can change your frequency. So again, this is kind of on that like, well, I don't know. I, I wouldn't even say woo-woo because this is just science. Like everything has a vibration, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's, that is my favorite kind of ballpark to play in is that it's kind of a little bit science and a little bit of spirit where it all comes together. And absolutely, I think everything that we put into our bodies everything that we really do has such a different frequency. And even to the, to the degree, Amy, that you can have two identical plates of food and the intention that you meet that food with can change the frequency of it. Uh, and this has actually been really relevant for me in the past two weeks, because I'm going to tell you, um, we have been eating a lot of like burritos and <laughs> a lot of takeout, a lot of Cajun food, a lot of like red beans and rice, <laughs> all of the yummy things that New Orleans is known for. Um, because we haven't had a kitchen, we've been, um, you know, in transit in the move. And so one of the things is really understanding that there's a frequency of a particular food. And I think that you know, really going down to basics. I think that plant foods and foods that are grown with a beautiful intention and free of chemicals and all those things, they do hold a higher frequency. But I also think that a meal that is made with love, even if it's not organic, uh, a meal that's made with love and a meal that's consumed with pleasure can also put a different intention and frequency before it goes into your body. So one of the things that I teach um, with my coaching program is that even if you're not eating perfectly, if you actually connect with your food on a level that forgives anything that's not right about it, uh, forgives any judgment that you may have about it or any guilt that you may have about it, it does change the frequency in which it goes into your body. And then it also shifts your own frequency or your own energy to where your body's going to be able to digest that food a lot better and also put it to use in a lot better way than if you're swallowing it with a side of shame, as I like to say, because there are a lot of meals that I've had in the past few weeks that could have been <laughs> a little shameful, but maybe more indulgent is the right word. I've been having some very indulgent meals. And, you know, I think it's just all part of the experience. Um, definitely letting myself celebrate this new chapter of our lives and, and being excited to be home and enjoying the local cuisine and all that. But also listening to my body that's now telling me like, girl, you need a, you need a couple days of juice. <laughs> like you need some salads and, and really just understanding that it's okay to ebb and flow and to just, to just listen 
you know, listen to how your body's responding to certain foods and just get curious about what causes a shift for you. How does it feel if you eat something like, well, for anybody who's ever done like a, a juice cleanse and not that I'm advocating those, but they work, you know what I mean? Like there's a very specific experience that comes when you have like a very specific frequency of food going into the body versus eating Cajun food every day for two weeks. <laughs> well, I think that was something you mentioned too, is that you don't necessarily promote like a vegan diet, but the purpose that it serves is that like, it'll show you then when you are eating, let's say animal products, it'll show you the difference of how your body feels, right? Totally. allows you to like, it allows you to have a benchmark for yourself. When you go through a phase of like eating really air quotes clean and whatever that means to you. And again, you know, not everybody has the same set of parameters to feel good. But when you have that benchmark for yourself of like how great your body is capable of feeling, and it's probably a lot better than you would give it credit for, or, or that's you know definitely been my experience, then you can then notice, okay, that was great and that was fun and whatever, but I wanna get back to feeling energized and feeling clear and you know all that that entails because it does have such a really profound effect on the brain, um, on your energy levels. It truly changes everything. Like food is such a powerful tool and I think it's really important, like, food is the thing, Amy, I think that really brings it down to earth. And so a lot of these things, like the visualization, the meditation, all these spiritual practices that I adore and, and have studied and now teach, the body is the thing that actually brings it to earth, you know, because your head can be one place, your head can be going in a specific direction, but the way that you actually treat the body, the physical body that's what actually brings the results, you know, because otherwise you're just sitting in your room, like with your head in the clouds all day. <laughs> totally. <laughs> just sitting in meditation for like five hours a day, which is great. Yeah. Another thing that you mentioned too, that I thought was really interesting is that your body can also hold on to frequencies in, in terms of like holding on to bad feelings or bad thoughts about yourself. And so can you talk a little bit about how that can manifest? Like, let's say negative thought patterns or negative thoughts you have about yourself or your body and what that can look like in terms of maybe health problems or your body or anything like that? Totally. Uh, you know, I work with a lot of people who struggle from anxiety and there's definitely a range or a spectrum of how that looks. And it, from, from my experience, it can definitely kind of ebb and flow from day to day and from season to season. Um, and something like anxiety, if you're really functioning with a lower level or even a high level of anxiety, it absolutely is going to impact your body's performance. Um, so this is something where we can see a lot of different areas of opportunity, I would say, from the epigenetics testing, because a lot of it is really chemical you know, and that's where the food thing comes into play. I had no idea until I really experienced it firsthand, how much your nutrition, getting your nutrition really dialed into your specific body can have such a huge impact on your mental health. Um, and so that's something I think that if you're kind of coming from a history of say anxiety, or even like a family history, like in my case, for example, with the obesity, um, that was a story that I had held from past generations, and I accepted it as my truth. And so a lot of times we can really kind of have these patterns or these habits even that this is just how it is for me, this is who I am, we can really identify with the certain kind of set of emotions or, or really adopt that as our personality. And that has a role on the physical body. So that's going to show up in often disease. Uh, it can show up in things like obesity, in my case. It can definitely show up in a lot of different physical ways. And this is something where with the epigenetics, we can actually see really what's there, what's truly there on a foundational level. And a lot of times I'll find that I have clients who really don't have, for example, food sensitivities that they may think that they have, or perhaps there's just something like there may be like one thing that they can tweak that would unlock a, a completely different story for them, if that makes any sense. Uh, and it's just, it's so fascinating to see what we all hold. And it's something like, it doesn't make you a bad person. This is something that's part of the human experience, right? Like we all kind of grow up holding certain things to be true about ourselves, holding certain patterns and habits and things like that. But when we can actually connect with our like real truth, 
aside from those stories, then you'll start to see the physical body change very quickly. And there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. It's not something that just has to do with epigenetics, but that's just, that's kind of the, the on paper version of it. But even like the Kundalini yoga that I teach is incredible for actually releasing subconscious patterns and, and man, does that move a lot of energy. So you feel it. You actually can feel a big change in the physical body when you start to work with the energetics on a really subtle level like that. It's, it's a subtle change, but it can bring about profound opportunity in your life. Does that make any sense? I know it's kind of, it's hard to kind of connect a lot of these things, but they are so interwoven that it's almost impossible not to talk about them, you know? Totally. Yeah. And that makes sense. So do you think, so Kundalini, do you have any other things that people could do at home if they wanted to start? Like if they know, okay, I have these negative, let's say thought patterns about what my body looks like. And I think it's causing me to hold on to weight because of it. Like what, what would be some things you would have that person do? You know, I'm also a big fan of the EFT. Um, it's one of those things where it's it feels really dorky, let's be real. Like it feels <laughs> really awkward. And I it's my belief that a lot of the best modalities make you very uncomfortable with the mm-hmm. whole concept. <laughs> it's, test- it's testing your ego, like standing there and like tapping on your head and like saying affirmations or kundalini where you're like, <laughs> you guys can't see me, but I'm like putting my arms up in the air. <laughs> Totally. It looks totally bonkers, um, but it really, really works. So those are two that I really do practice a lot. Uh, And I honestly, I encourage anybody to just get uncomfortable in whatever way, shape or form. So whether that's something that's like more of a guided meditation for some people who are hesitant for the active stuff, but I'm a big fan of the active things because they do, they move the physical body. And I believe they really move the energy through and out of the physical body. Um, The other one I would say that is kind of newer to me, my newest trick in my bag of tricks is something called the emotion code. And let me tell you, I rabbit hold really hard and fast on this one, actually just since like this spring, like right when um, we first kind of hit quarantine, probably back in like March or April, I started hearing about this and you know how that goes. I just started it really like within two weeks, I heard like five people talking about it. And so I got the book and I read the book and I learned how to practice this modality called emotion code. And it's very similar to kind of similar to NLP, but also a little bit mixed with like a Reiki spin almost or something like that. I mean, it's energy work. So I guess there's a little bit of fluidity Um, to it all, but it's actually really brilliant. And I'm actually going through the certification now. I don't know that I'll ever do it professionally, but I just had to like learn about it. But I will say for anyone out there who's listening, you can totally do this yourself. You don't have to see a practitioner for it. You can actually read the book and it teaches you how to do it. So highly recommend that. Um, It's something that uses muscle testing to actually find certain emotions that have been trapped within the body. And let me tell you, it sounds like the most woo thing, but it works. It really, really works. It is. It was a little bit mind blowing for me when I first um, discovered it. And so highly recommend that one if you want something that's maybe a little bit more private or you know, direct, I guess you could say. That is fascinating. I wrote that down because I'm like, I need to check out that book. I'm so into stuff like that. So <laughs> It is really cool. So there's emotion code and then there's a second level of it called body code where you can literally go in very specifically and ask the subconscious mind questions about what could be potentially causing, you know, anything that may be going on in the body. So that's my next, that'll be next year. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, we'll have you back on the podcast once you do that and you can talk to us all about the emotion code. Um, So kind of circling back to the testing that you do though, another question that I had was that you mentioned something in, obviously I've been watching a lot of your videos, um, (laughs) something about how you can see in somebody's test, like if they're going to, let's say, tend toward something like emotional eating what, like, what is being tested there? Is it like a vitamin? Is it, what, what are you looking for? So we can actually see a lot of neurotransmitter function, which sounds a little out there, but really this is where we can see kind of what your, your chemical levels of your brain have a tendency towards. So for example, I'll use dopamine. Dopamine is really a, a key player in something like emotional eating. 
because really let's be honest like your body doesn't often care a whole lot about what goes in it it's your brain your brain is the one that's going hey you know what would be a really great idea right now amy is if you go downstairs and you eat that yummy thing that might not even make you feel great but it's going to taste good and it's going to be a good little feel good moment that's dopamine <laughs> So that's where we can see like for, for certain people that may have like a lower dopamine registry or for example, a higher one, we can see that there are certain tendencies that you would hold, right? So for someone who's going to be having a really high dopamine hit, there are people who may have more intense cravings or they may not, for example, like feel like they can control it. They may feel like I cannot resist that chocolate cake that's downstairs. Uh, there's also certain things that we can see that really have to do with like the registry of your taste buds even. It is the coolest thing. So for example, if you and I were sharing a dessert, some people have a lower registry of sugar and some people have a higher registry. So people that have a lower registry of the taste of sugar or the taste of sweetness, they may have a tendency to eat more sweets because it's like they, their brain can't scratch the itch. Mm. Whereas people who have a really strong registry of sugar or sweets, they tend to eat fewer sweets because things don't taste as good. Like they taste like almost too sweet. So there's someone, they would be someone who would be more apt for like a little piece of dark chocolate here and there. But those are people who usually say like, oh, I crave more salty, savory things than sweets. So you can actually see a lot of different insights about how the brain is wired um, just by understanding the neurotransmitter function. And it's really helpful to understand like, hey, this is not necessarily a habit that's been created. That's kind of a chemical thing. And then you can support it really easily. You know, there are certain nutrients that will actually help to kind of offset that. Uh, and then there's other things like herbal things like mucuna, for example, which is really great for people who are having dopamine issues that have super intense, uh, like emotional cravings and things like that. So it makes it almost impossible to fail, almost. But, well, you know, it, it really does remove a lot of the, the questions that you have about even your eating habits, much less about like what your body really does best at like processing. That's so interesting too, because in a test like that, you could probably, I know that like serotonin and those other neuro neurotransmitters are really important in things like depression and anxiety. So by seeing that, could you, with your recommendation, like tell somebody like eat these sort of foods to improve that and it should help your mood? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's actually one of my favorite things to hear. And one of, I would say one of the more common things that I hear from clients is that um, they'll usually send me messages within a week or two. Like it, it actually, the, the effects are pretty fast uh, when you kind of dial in and give your body what it wants, especially where the brain is concerned. So I hear a lot of people saying like, oh my God, I feel like I'm on an antidepressant, but I'm not. Like it's just from actually getting the foods right and actually getting the nutrients right. Uh, and actually, that's a big part of the methylation process as well. So methylation is something that affects a ton of people. Um, I'm not going to give an exact number because the studies are kind of all over the place as far as like the percentage of people that it affects. But from my personal practice, from my experience, it affects, it's more common than not that people have either, uh, well, the more common is the undermethylation, but there's also something called overmethylation. Uh, so I am actually an undermethylator. And what that means, Amy, is that some of those genes that actually have to do with the methylation process, they're a little bit slow. They don't quite, they're, they're not doing a great job for me. <laughs> uh, and that's a genetic thing. However, I can actually biohack it by supplementing the right supplements to where I'm getting the effect, my body feels like it's methylating properly. And methylation, it actually has to do with a lot of detox, a lot of like heavy metal detox, but the way that you feel it quite often is in the brain. And so under methylation looks like um, obsessive compulsive. It looks like perfectionism. Um, it looks like competitiveness. A lot of that, that style of kind of like that low level anxiety, whereas overmethylation, it's actually really funny because I am a textbook undermethylator and my husband is a textbook overmethylator. Like Which is just like chill about everything. Well, it's actually, it's, well, actually not quite. So the other end of the spectrum tends to be anxiety, but like different types of anxiety. But the overmethylators tend to be really highly musically inclined, which is him. He's a musician. Um, and so they kind of have a different set of 
you know, again, it's very textbook, so it doesn't apply to everyone at all, but it's kind of a different set of cards as far as like the anxiety bit. So some of us kind of go one way on the spectrum, some of us go another way, but that's been the biggest thing for me was that it really gave me my brain back to get that dialed in and to understand that, okay, this is, everything's really fine. There's just like a bit of a chemical imbalance going on. So I supplement for it and I feel great. And it's, it can be as simple as that, you know, a best case scenario, it's, it's quite simple. That sounds like it would just be life changing for so many people. So I'm, I'm excited for you to tell people where they can go to like get the test and to work with you. Um, but first I, I feel like on Instagram stories, you're, you're always showing like the coolest types of detox, like juices and saunas. So can you tell us like what are your top three to five favorite I don't know what they would be called habits, I guess, for detoxification. Totally. I go hard on the detox because I, I kind of need to, like my specific body definitely needs to. And especially in recent years before the explant, actually, even since the explant, I'm still kind of recovering from that since it was pretty recent, man, if I had to say top three sauna would definitely be in it. Uh, so one of the best investments that I ever made was a sauna bag, which basically it's like a sweat bag, <laughs> which sounds disgusting, but it's super simple. Um, there's a couple of different places in LA that I used to go to where you go in and you literally lay in this little, almost kind of like a sleeping bag, but it's an infrared sauna experience. And so your head sticks out and you just wrap yourself up in a blanket and you lay there and sweat, like sweat, like you've never sweat before, <laughs> but that you sounds amazing. It is incredible. It's like the most restorative yet productive detox practice I could ever imagine. And um, infrared, you said, because I know, aren't there different types, but you want infrared sauna bag. Yeah, exactly. The infrared actually just means that it's going to penetrate deeper into the body. So versus just kind of staying on the surface, um, it, it goes in a little bit differently and, and kind of has a stronger cellular effect, if that makes sense. Okay. So it is a different, it's a sweat like never before. But you can absolutely like take a nap while you're in it or turn on a movie or whatever you want. So it's super easy and chill. And then you just shower and you're good to go. Uh, so that I would say is probably in the top three. Gosh, okay, the other top ones, I'm really obsessed with this green juice powder from Organifi. So I will definitely share that one. Um, the greens thing is really important for cleansing right? And most people, I would say, don't get enough greens in their diet. Uh, so especially while I've been traveling too, and in and, and years past when I was doing a lot of travel, I swore by doing greens powder because it keeps you regular. It really helps kind of support those detox systems that many people need a little bit of support with. And it's just easy. I actually like the taste of it. So I'm a big fan of that one. Um, I do love to do juice, like fresh juice, when I can. Uh, so if you have a juicer, pull it out, dust it off and, and make good use of it. But if you can't, then the greens juice powder is a good supplement to that or alternative to that. And then man, okay, a third one, I would have to say my rebounder, which is kind of a non-traditional detox situation, but it's the most fun. Uh, do you have a rebounder or do you know what that is? I do. I don't have one, but I really want one mostly because it looks fun. And I feel like I would just bounce <laughs> on it like midday just because Yeah, it is so fun. And exactly. Like if I'm at my desk for a long time during the day then I can literally go and kind of like jump and shake it off a little bit for a few minutes. So the rebounder is a, a mini trampoline. And so it is the most fun you could ever have in a workout, but it actually, it can definitely get your heart rate up if you're on it long enough. Um, but the main thing for that, it's really good for your lymphatic system. So it really starts to shake things up. Like you'll feel it. You'll feel almost like where you have any congestion in the body. So it's really, really cool and just very fun and good for any, any age, any, you know, situation that you could imagine. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I'm going to link to everything in the show notes. So if you guys want to get a sauna bag or some Organifi or a rebounder, it will all be in the show notes. <laughs> um, so can you just now pimp yourself out, tell everybody where they can go to find you online and work with you and get the test and watch all of your amazing videos. 
Yeah, awesome. So find me on Instagram at Lindsay Lecrage. Uh, my last name is L E K H R A J. Just like it sounds, it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, find me at Lacroix. I share pretty much everything. That's my main page. So I share everything there. Uh, you can find my website there as well at lindsaylacroix.com. I have a new thing that I'm launching very soon. So my method that I teach, my, my blender hybrid method of active meditation, I call it embodiment. And so you can soon find me on myembodiment.com and that's going to be anything from like just taking a little meditation class to finding information about the epigenetics and all of the above. Um, but so yeah, the testing is basically really simple. I do take a few private clients every month and I send you a little kit in the mail. You swab your cheek with it and you send it back to a private lab. Um, I highly recommend doing private testing versus doing something like some of the more mainstream testing that's on the market um, because they don't really they don't really give you a very in-depth picture and they don't give you a human consultation so that's one thing i will say about the epigenetics part of the the beauty of it is really working with someone who can see the potential in it versus just giving you over like oh these are your genes have a nice day good luck to you really being under able to understand like what that means and how to actually do a little bit of the biohacking and kind of tailoring your wellness approach is really crucial. So definitely, um, I would say look into that versus doing one of the, the do it yourself testing in this case, because the information, as you can tell is it's pretty dense and, um, not, not something that I would recommend doing DIY, but yeah, I'd love to chat more. If anybody has questions, there are always a lot of questions about epigenetics. So reach out, DM me anytime. I'm always here for it. Um, or definitely find some info on my site. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was like the best conversation. I love talking about it. So interesting. And I know everybody who's listening is going to love it too. So you guys go check out Lindsay, uh, go to her website. And if you loved this episode, as always, screenshot it and tag me and Lindsay so we can repost you. And thank you so much again for being here. Oh, thank you, Amy. This was such a blast.